You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Red lights flashing. Places, everybody. <laughs> How are we feeling? Oh, goodness gracious me. I'm so excited. Uh, it's Cam here, and uh, across from me I have... Hello, Cameron. It's Matt Stedman here. <laughs> And we're back. Um, isn't it just a wonderful thing to uh, the Pavlovian response? The red light goes on. Yes, and you start talking. And you just start, <laughs> okay, I'll just start talking. As if um, hit by a bolt of lightning. A very, very good afternoon and uh, g'day to 2015 to all the listeners out there. How on earth are you on this um, Weird summer's day. It is weird, isn't it? We were saying to Kent in the kitchen earlier, it seems a bit late in the year to be saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year, even though it's February. Yes, and uh, and we do. And um, we've got uh, an hour of food and booze uh, for you because, well, you know, you know the drill by now. Let's eat it, and this is what we do. But uh, before we go anywhere, Mm. before we move from this seat, we have to say a very, very big thanks to the fill-ins that have been happening over the year. Yes. Over the summer, I should say. Cock and Bull, um, Kathy Colliver, uh, a huge big thanks to uh, to her. Do you know you get those moments where you cannot leave the radio? I was driving around in my car. Mm. I was going to visit some people. Uh, there was a story about, first of all, there was this <laughs> such a fabulous story about a severed finger and a samurai sword. Right. Hysterical. And uh, then the story about Edward Beerhands, and I was stuck in the car for about 15 minutes longer than I wanted to be because I couldn't leave it. So uh, thank you, Cathy, for that. And uh, the others, of course. Yeah, there's some other really good uh, summer, summer fill-in shows. So the Urbanists were on uh, filling in for the scientists, and they were fantastic. Um, Animal Collective before that, uh, as the proud owner of Two Cats, that was actually a very interesting show. Yes. And our good friend Jed McCartney was actually behind the mic um, on uh, Spare Change. So there's some really good summer fills, um, and now we're back. Yes. So sorry if you preferred them to us. <laughs> but acknowledgements uh, and yes. uh, and respect. Much respect. Respect thrown back. Now, um, just to sort of look back um, at the, the summer that's mm-hmm. been, it's sort of like, what have I done over my summer holidays? It's like your first day back at school. It you is. have to write like, the project of what you did. I did. What, you know, it's like, yep, is it, oh, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of show and tell here. Go. The first thing I want to do is uh, I want to uh, to mark... And to say that I was part of and very, very proud to be the 100th market at the convent, uh, the uh, farmer's markets that are there, right. Victorian farmer's markets. Yes. I hope I'm getting that right because they, they have a very specific way they want to say it. But you know what I mean. Yes. It was the convent. It was the 100th one. And I happened to be there um, spruiking it up. Cool. Waving the chook. As I do, just be careful with that chicken, Cameron. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was that was really really good. Uh, also, looking back on the joy of uh, scallops cooked very very quickly mm. on a very very hot surface and served with a cauliflower puree. Uh, uh, yin and yang there though. Yes, because when you make cauliflower puree, you should boil your cauliflower in milk, mm. which shall destroy the pot. No, it doesn't destroy. It just makes it really hard to clean, and it's a bit of a. <laughs> Uh, uh. And um, and also discoveries. I have to actually mention um, a food discovery that I had that, you know, when you're in the depths of the suburbs, you hope to eat. Yes. You can be very surprised when you eat really, really well. Yes. And, boy, I've discovered this oasis uh-huh. in Hughesdale. 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 Where is Hughesdale? Hughesdale is up, uh, you go up North Road. Okay. Go. Greetings to all our Hughesdale listeners. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, the Hughesdale Habitators. Um, Hughesdale Habitators, uh, there's a place called Burgled. It is the best, one of the best burgers I had all year. Soft best, bun. Best burgers all year? Yeah. So what did you say the name was? Burgled. Burgled. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Crazy place. Uh, mm. But, you know, things like real aiolis, um, great sauces, mm. soft buns. I mean, you know, you could think it's almost like a rock pool. Nah, it's not even... Uh, just great burgers. And uh, the 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 story... Mm. See, I'm getting all excited. The story about the place is yes. that um, it's a couple of ex-chefs, and it's one of those things where what would happen if an ex-chef from a restaurant mm. decided to open a burger place? QED, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Quantum ergo demonstratum. Um, it's there. Anyway, yes. uh, let's not go on too much about it, but it was great. Um, on the other side of the coin, mm-hmm. I got a DAI the other day. Which is? A dumpling-acquired injury. <laughs> Dumpling acquired injury. <laughs> I was dumplings are normally fairly innocuous sorts of things. Benign. Yes, they are. Yes, this one bit back. Really? <laughs> it did. So I'm at Ping's Dumplings in Clayton. Yes. Eh? Eh? Good place for dumplings in yes, Clayton. Quite right. cheap. And uh, hot fried dumplings come to camp. Very happy. <laughs> and I got to bite one of these things, and it's nuclear. It's yeah. molten. It's 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 napalm in there, <laughs> and it just sort of squirts this hot fat. Sauce onto my chin, yeah. which blistered. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good, good. Laugh. Uh, Laugh at my expense. Yeah, anyway. No, I'm, I'm very sympathetic. No, you're not. Uh, I, would, I, I wish I, I was I, there to see it. Yeah, it would have been funny, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> sort of rolling around on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Oh, and also got to have a big thanks to my buddy Dorje. Dorje, um, just this week, yes. cooked up possibly the best yakitori I've had in my life. Mm. Um, boy, that guy can cook yakitori. Maybe we might even get him to do the recipe. But um, also, I don't know if I really thank him for the um, copious amounts of rum that we drank afterwards. I know you said you had a late night. Late night? I didn't get home till about. I oh, know late night came early morning. morning yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, what are your highlights for you? I was actually thinking uh, probably the highlight for me of the last few weeks. I had my first ever morsel of food at Supernormal in the city. Now, everyone raves about Supernormal. It's a great yes. place, of course. Um, a few people have come Funky away... Funky toilet downstairs. <laughs> it's very yeah, much yeah. so. Yeah. A few people have come away from Supernormal with a slight ache in the wallet. It's probably fair to be said. Well, that's like a lot of restaurants in town these true. days. Let's face it. So my top tip is... Uh, Eat beforehand. Their, no. <laughs> no, sorry. No, they're languishing at the bottom of the menu uh, is the banquet option. Yeah. So uh, I think it was $65 uh, a head, which is pretty reasonable. And yes. I think three or four courses, and it was bloody amazing. So there's Matt's top tip. Booze with that? Uh, no, you have booze on top of that. Okay. Mm. But that's the way to do it. Yes. Get canny. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Because we're not made of money. No. No. <laughs> but Super Normal's good to, uh, to visit. Uh, okay. 12.09. Oh, 1989, Wait. apparently, just uh, one of those things, just <laughs> yes. to say that something happened. 1989, apparently in Ipswich, it rained sardines. Believe it or not. And we would say that can happen with water spouts in sea, but why only the sardines? Why not crabs and or, everything else that's in the sea? Or grey nurse sharks. Yes. Sharknado. Hey, we should probably look forward because we haven't even told anyone. I'm doing everyone. it, I'm doing okay, it. we're doing it. Here we go. The Stantonator. Rosemary Stanton will be up uh, next, mm. ladies and gentlemen, because um, it, quite seriously, there has been a tragedy around uh, uh, down on the peninsula where a young kid has mm. lost his life mm. from uh, consuming raw milk. So who better to speak about this 
than Rosemary Stanton. So we're going to talk a little bit about raw milk. Why? Why do people want to drink that stuff? And then uh, why does the government then outlaw it? Want to, yeah. yeah, what's going on? Could, mm. we, could we find a middle ground? Mm. Or could we just, uh, can we just sort of filter the facts? Thank you. Yes. And what's the difference between pasteurisation and homogenisation? I don't know. Well, a couple of you, syllables. Well, there you go. Uh, John at the Queen Victoria Market is um, is around. We had a chat to him. I've just had a chat to him this morning and came racing in. Yes. And uh, and then we were talking about um, summertime and the wine growing is easy sometimes. <laughs> Not this year, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were sort of talking about, you know, winemakers just sort of, you know, on the porch, whittling. <laughs> Watching the grapes. Watching the grapes. Yeah. <laughs> Pass that rosé, will you, Billy Bob? If I don't know many winemakers called Billy Bob, but anyway, it was just it, it was no one called Duncan. You know, tracked her up on you know up on yes <laughs> up on blocks. No, no, we've got Duncan. He's just going to tell us about how vintage is going. Twelve eleven here on three triple R F M. Did we say how happy we are to be back? Yeah, it's lovely to have you with us. Uh, join us for the hour or what's left of the hour, and we'll be back with Rosemary Stanton after this. 12.12 here on 3 Triple RFM, and uh, we start off with um, a, a tragedy that's, uh, that's taken place uh, in regard to a young child who consumed raw milk and uh, has unfortunately uh, passed away from doing that. And we thought we'd have a chat about the issue of raw milk, what it's all about, what are the benefits, what are the dangers... I don't know, let's have a little look at it. And we've got the best person to have a chat about that. And we welcome her back very gratefully to the microphones of 3 Triple R, Rosemary Stanton, a very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you, Cam. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That's the way. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's just go straight into it. Um, a, uh, a dairy or a, a milk producer has been uh, producing what has been known as cosmetic milk, I think, raw milk, and uh, a young child has uh, ingested that. Actually, a few of them have. Some of them got sick and one of them died. Um, it's a bit of a tragedy, isn't it? It's a, it's a terrible tragedy because it didn't need to happen. Yes. And um, but it's not the only tragedy that happens with, uh, with raw milk. Um, there are lots of places throughout the world where raw milk is still consumed and the, the milk often gets bugs in it. Yes. And whereas many people will, will withstand those bugs, those who are more vulnerable, which would include little kids, pregnant women, the frail age, anyone who's already sick with something or other else. It's sort of the edges of the bell curve, isn't it, Rosemary? It's the young kids, it's, um, it's older people and people that have their uh, immune systems suppressed, shall we say. Absolutely. And yep. yet uh, people make claims that raw milk has enormous benefits. The main one they, they say is that... Uh, if people are having raw milk, when you pasteurise milk, that you destroy some of the nutrients. Now, that's actually true, but when yes. you look more carefully at what's being destroyed, there's a tiny little bit of vitamin C in raw milk, and that gets destroyed. But, um, you know, you'd have to... Yeah, because that's heat. Yeah, that, that... Well, you'd have to drink litres of milk, many, many litres of milk every day to get any significant amount of vitamin C. You might as well just eat a piece of fruit and get your whole day's supply in one go. So that's unimportant. Uh, vitamin B1 which is thiamine, you also lose that. But again, milk is a really poor source of that anyway. Yes. Uh, and we get loads of that from grains or meats or chicken or you know, a whole range of foods, so we're not really concerned about that. When you look at everything else, the protein's not destroyed, the calcium's not destroyed, 
there's a lot of claims people make. What, saying, but what claims are they? Because it's it's kind of strange. I was sort of looking into it over um, for a while, and it sort of has this strange healthy halo effect, but the benefits are really just apocryphal, which they're, they're, they're kind of dubious, aren't they? Or they haven't been proven. Well, I think that's true, and they have certainly have been looked at. It's not as if this hasn't been looked at by credible scientists. They've looked at it very, very carefully. Uh, and really, there's no great disadvantage in pasteurising milk and a great deal of benefit. And people also say, oh, the milk's been boiled it's actually taken to, to about 75 degrees. It's left for 15 seconds? 15 seconds yeah, and then right. rapidly cooled. Yes. And that's enough. To, it doesn't kill all the bugs, which is why milk will still go sour and go bad eventually. Right. But it does kill a lot of the bugs, and if the milk's then kept cold, then uh, it will keep for, you know, quite a good few days. Raw milk goes off much more rapidly. Now, there is a bit of a difference when you turn raw milk into cheese. Yes. And here, I think, the people who want raw milk cheeses do have some points. And um, at the moment, there's one place legally that um, we can make raw cheese. That's on Bruny Island. Yeah, there's actually a few other small people who are, who are given permission to do it too. So there's about three. Yeah, and there's more coming because uh, they've just sort of loosened up the, the requirements for this. And, and this is a different. This is a different area, though, isn't it, Rosemary? Because what cheesemakers will say is that we want to express a cheese. At the moment that it's made, and to by having raw milk, it expresses almost like a terroir of where it comes from. Well, that's right, and you can make some different cheeses from raw milk that you can't make from from pasteurised milk. Mm. I think most of the cheesemakers are still very happy to use um, use regular milk for most of their cheeses, but some of the specialty cheesemakers, and these tend to be people making small batches. Yep. Uh, you add salt to the cheese, you store it in a different way. It has a different pH level. It has a lower moisture content. There's all lots of control points, and uh, still I have to test the milk to make sure it's okay, but it's a completely different thing from sort of a dairy supplying raw milk that goes into the general population uh, without these various control points and without the things that will... I mean, the whole thing about um, making cheese is that the added salt and the way the cheese is made preserves the milk for far longer than the milk would keep anyway. Indeed, yeah. So it's a different different thing there. And so I've actually been on the side of the people who want to make raw milk cheeses and it isn't the major people who want to make standard cheddar and everything else because it would, they would have to put so much more effort and control and testing into it that why would they bother? It doesn't make any difference for their cheeses. But yeah. for some of those specialty cheeses, it, it does make a difference. And I think a lot of people can get mixed up between raw milk and homogenised milk or pasteurisation and homogenisation because if you... T and they say, oh, raw milk's better because the cream rises to the top. Ah. Well, it doesn't have to be raw to do that. You can pasteurise the milk and let the cream rise to the top if you like. Well, let's talk about these two different things. Uh, pasteurisation, as you mentioned before, is taking uh, milk up to, was it 74? 74. 74, 74 15 seconds, um, and then rapidly chilling. Homogenisation is... Well, you actually just squirt the milk um, through extremely small holes. And that breaks up the fat particles, so they're much smaller, and they stay dispersed through the milk instead of rising to the top. So we're sort of making a colloid or something like well, that. Well, it suppose. makes a different sort of uh, pattern of the fats. Now, yeah. there's no evidence that this is, has any harmful effects at all. People claim that uh, or people get heart disease because they've had homogenised milk. There's really no evidence. It has been actually checked. It was checked um, back in the early 1980s and many times since 
by reputable scientists not connected with the dairy industry who looked to see was there any uh, correlation, any problem with the homogenisation of milk and did it relate to any diseases? Mm. And the answer is, is no. All right. Well, I think maybe it, uh, with the responsibility for broadcasting a message for the population, I suppose, if we were going to generalise raw milk, um, if you you should not give it to children, first of all. That's just a... That, that would be a blanket rule? I think so, nor to pregnant women, nor to anyone who is ill. And, of course, people don't always know they're, they're ill, but their immune system is fighting something off. Yeah. Uh, and you give it, and they're much more susceptible to any of the effects of. There's a whole range of different bacteria that can uh, be in the milk that can make you sick, and of course not to the elderly. Uh, and I think a lot of people whose health is not particularly good, you wouldn't you wouldn't give them raw milk. So I think I actually accept the fact that uh, because milk comes from many dairies, it's distributed widely. You get a batch of raw milk in with all the other pasteurised milk. You're going to expose yes. large numbers of of the population people to these bugs. You just don't do it. Yeah, okay. So there's no great advantage, so, you know, what, what's, what's the advantage? The advantage of having a tiny little bit more of a couple of nutrients, which milk isn't even a good source of anyway. Yes. It's, it's sort of all irrelevant. So I'm absolutely in favour of the pasteurisation of milk. And if we look throughout the world, well beyond Australia, we find that the pasteurisation of milk has led to incredibly uh, big advances in life expectancy in many parts of the world. Yeah. Okay, but, but it's, it's kind of funny. On, on the other hand, and also Matt wants to, to cut in across in a sec, we are one of the few places that ban raw milk, though, aren't we? Oh, no, there's, there's lots of places that New, ban raw New milk. New Zealand it's across the ditch. In some countries. Yeah, across in New Zealand you're allowed to sell raw milk. Yeah, well, um, I, I suppose they'd prepare to take the risk. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the thing is that if we said anyone can sell raw milk, Yes. Then we'd have, and then we have um, things like this death. People would be saying, "Why aren't the authorities making sure it doesn't happen?" Why aren't we regulating? Uh, Matt, you wanted to mention someone, so we yeah. had a tweet. Yeah, apparently, um, actually, I'm not 100 percent across the details of this specific incident, but apparently, the child before he passed was actually quite sick. He wasn't a perfectly happy, healthy child that drank warm milk and then killed over. So, um, yeah, I think it just underlines the message uh, to be very, if you are consuming raw milk, just to be very careful about um, who you give it to, really. Well, I think that's fair enough, and, and the thing is that some people who sort of, um, if I can say, swallow the myths about raw milk being somehow other better, yeah. um, also think that if they've got a child who's sick, raw milk would be better for them. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, well, that's uh, we can we can actually say that categorically, Rosemary. I think we can. Okay, tick. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so uh, again, we uh, we agree that uh, to develop a specialist cheesemaker, uh, cheesemakers. Um, expressing the terroir of their land with raw milk, with the proper regulation that goes with it, I think we would um, that would be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the way the authorities are sort of realising it. They were just concerned, I suspect, that if people were using raw milk for cheese, they might sell some of that raw milk as raw milk, because there are a lot of people who like it. Look, I was brought up with a Jersey cow in my backyard. Oh, yeah, tell us about that, Rosemary. Yeah, I had raw milk, but unfortunately I was one of the people who got quite sick from it, and I had years and years of sickness, and I lived on the outskirts of Sydney. Yeah. And I kept going to the doctor with this mysterious fever that I'd get every now and then, and it was what we called undulant fever. Undulant. And he kept saying, have you been to the country? Have you had a holiday in the country? <laughs> and I kept saying, no. And he said, you sure you've always lived in the city? And I said, well, yes. sort of. He didn't ask me the right question, that we had three acres of land on the edge of the city and we kept a cow. And you got a jersey. 
Yeah, and, and it was lovely milk, and I to this day love, um, you know, Jersey milk and lovely cream and butter and all those sort of things. Oh, I can, I can still remember as a kid when I used to work on a sheep station where you'd point the thing at the cats and the cats would go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really, really like that, but it was yeah. a good example of the doctor not asking the right question. He didn't say, have you drunk unpasteurised milk? He was sort of always asking, and I was in my teens, yeah. late teens, but this lasted for quite a few years, and I kept getting this mysterious illness, and I was always... So you say you got fevers. Yeah, terrible fevers, shivering, violent shivering. Oh, um, no. Huge fever, aching joints. Now, that was... Uh, what, the, the, that condition's called brucellosis, and I think the bugs that cause that have been wiped out now, so that's no longer a problem. I'm quite old, just <laughs> All right, one more minute on this, and then we'll move on to um, supermarkets can be good. <laughs> um, is um, the, the big one that I'm, uh, I hear about, we've got Campylobacter and, and uh, E. coli, but um, Listeria. Yeah. Um, there was no mention of Listeria in, in this. It was a, a syndrome that um, this child got, was it not? That's true, but listeria can uh, can occur in in raw milk as well. Mm. And a few of these bugs they cause cause pretty horrible kidney disorders. So you know, and blood too, up. isn't it? Yeah. So look, you know, I don't think we need to go there. Isn't All it? right. So yeah, again, as we say, it's uh, the 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 raw milk has a has a halo effect, but um, the the benefits uh, have not been proven. That's true. It's not apocryphal. Proven. All right, move on. Um, <coughs> supermarkets a power for good. Well, Discuss. You don't get this from me very <laughs> No, often. I know. And me. Hey. Uh, but look, it was, it's to do with the health star rating system that you and I have talked about before. Yes, with our good old buddy Fiona Nash at the beginning of last year. Yes. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, the health star rating is not going to solve all our health problems, and nobody no. ever suggested it was, but it was intended to help people choose better, people who already eat processed and packeted foods to make better choices. Mm. And it's actually been the supermarkets, both the major supermarkets, that, that are going with this with all their home brand products. Yeah. So they've been the first ones to adopt it. And once they adopt it, of course, quite a few of those home brand products are actually made by, by people who um, are making their own branded products as well. Yeah, the grocery and council so would be... you think we've got to put on those products, we better put it on ours so they can compete with the our own products compete with our own home brand products. I'm sure there'd be some interesting emails going between a lot of these major food manufacturers. Going, they, they, they did what? <laughs> what? Um, well, they didn't like it, you see, because it actually has been shown to be effective. Yeah. And particularly effective for those people who don't know a lot about nutrition, who can't read labels either because they're written into little stuff or they just, you know, just haven't got round to it or think it's not important. Oh. They can see... More stars, the better. It's pretty simple. It's been proven very effective for people who have low literacy, and they are some of the people who really need a bit more information about these products. I mean, you know, I'd still send you to the fresh product, the fresh, fresh department that hasn't got any labels at all, but let's be realistic. People are going to buy something in all those middle sections of the supermarket, and if they can make um, slightly better choices for all of those products, then it's going to have an additive effect and be a good thing. So congratulations to the two major supermarkets who both, because one of them said they'd do it, so then the other one. Oh, they're all going to do it. I don't have a clue which one said it first. Uh, oh, I don't know. We're going to do it too. Yeah, well, but they're, do, they're doing it. So, and then um, so there's now a couple of hundred products with those star ratings on it, but um, there's a whole lot more. As soon as the old labels are worn out, um, who are going for it? So that's a good thing. Little by little, we go a long way, Rosemary. And yeah. um, thank you as always for being able to uh, well just distill the information so well. My pleasure. Thanks, Cam. Always great to chat with you, um, and um, I'll let you get back to the day. Thank 
you. Thanks, Rosemary. Bye. Wonderful. And um, speaking of your day, uh, we've got something that you can race off to uh, very, very quickly. Do you know that there's a little bit of Tuscan in, the, in East Keelor? Keelor. Yeah. Keelor, you say? I say Keelor. If you're uh, out Keelor way or you would like to be, uh, Rose Creek Estate have their Open Garden Day today, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, actually, looks really good. Wine tasting yeah. sales, olive oil tasting and sales, uh, wood oven pizzas. Uh, it's all kind of happening. So that's at Rose Creek Estate today. Yeah, they actually come down to the farmers markets a lot, and they've got some great produce. And yes. uh, it's a, just a spectacular place. It'll Unexpected. Co- it'll cost you eight bucks to get in, and it's really quaint. The um, the little uh, brochure they have for it also includes a Melway reference. Isn't that Whoa. sort of old school? Melway reference 27J1 if you're one of the few people who still uh, still operate a paper map of Melbourne. But there you go. Rose Creek <laughs> Estate in uh, in Keylor, um all day today. Get in the car right now, though. I like you. Look at you. Yeah, good on you. Um, so, yeah, and if you can't find the address, give us a ring at the end of the show because I don't know if they'd actually even have a website. Ha- I look at them and- I'll tweet the address. <gasps> you are I good. Know. Okay, Triple R is the station <laughs> you're on 1227, which is the time that Matt said we have to get to before we go to the market. So I've done my job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here it is, the moment you've all been waiting for from the Queen Victoria Market, live uh, from which sheds this again? H. H. H for Harry. H for Harry. And you don't drop your H's. It's John. Yes. A very, very good beginning of the year to you, buddy. Yes, good morning and happy new year to everyone. You, you are looking well. You are looking well fed. You are looking content. I can't complain. We're yeah. four weeks back to work, but um, yeah. still feeling the effects of Christmas and New Year. It was just so good. Was Christmas good to you? Sorry? Was Christmas good to you? Oh, too good. And even New Year because we went to Mum's Christmas um, Day and Boxing Day. And my house, uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, we had a big spit roast that was beautiful. Ooh, what'd you you put on the spit? Uh, Two big bits of rump steak and uh, shoulder of pork. Oh, yeah, okay. And everyone was happy. But um, we're we're here to talk about... Oh, thanks, mate. You stay on a stopwatch so we don't talk over. Um, I really just want to get people an idea of... uh, First of all, what's been going on and where we are at uh, at this time in February? It's hard to even yeah. to believe that we're here. So um, the first thing that I've... Oh, actually, let's clear up one thing because I've been asked specifically to ask you. John, lemons. What's going on with lemons this year? Well, like everyone's tree, my tree's full of lemons. They're getting big, but they're green. Yeah. So if they're not ripe, nothing to use. So we have to go begging for lemons. So my neighbour here has got American lemons at a dollar a piece. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, California. Yeah. Lemons with an American accent. Yeah, yeah. And, and worse luck, I've seen Egyptian oranges too, but that's another life. Oh, okay. Um, but you, you'll find local local lemons um, on the riper side a little bit cheaper. They may not be pretty. Yeah. But um, even if you do need to use the skin, you just scrape off the ugly bits and keep going. And they'll be better because they're freshly picked. They haven't been treated. Um, or if they had been treated, maybe they have been washed, and uh, yes. that's about it. They're not coloured with um, three inches of wax and God knows what else on them. Yeah, right. So, yeah, uh, with this warm spell we've had, maybe they'll colour up a little bit quicker. Uh, one thing, I'm, I'm not quite sure, maybe you're going to answer this question for me. There, we, the lemon that we see, the sour lemon, is known as a Lisbon variety. There's also a thing called a Myers. It's uh, thinner-skinned. It's uh, getting towards sort of an orangey side of things. It's a little bit sweeter. 
Um, yeah. When do they come around? Are they? Should they be around now? I think that'll be a little bit later. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good lemonade anyway. Okay, yeah. so lemons, so what are you saying? We just need some warm weather to ripen them up. Definitely. And right. It doesn't matter. You can use them uh, a little bit green as well. They'll be a little bit stronger. So just instead of 15 drops, you them. use, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just a few drops. That's where you get the vice grips out from, yeah. the, from the toolbox. All right. Um... What a, well, Tomato City. I just uh, noticed uh, Rose and Alex over here are just yes. uh, no, well, nosing into a beefsteak tomato that they've yeah. just cut. A little bit of salt. Looks good. Yeah, this was Short a, um, a, a really old-style black Russian. Yeah. Um, really knobbly like a rouge de mamon. A lot of ridges, a lot of ugly bits. But they're beautiful purpley violet red colour. And when you slice them down the middle, they're nearly black. A little bit of salt, no oil, no nothing, and you just eat them like a, a bit of fruit. Yeah, or go down the road here to the to the bakery and get a nice loaf of pasta duro to go oh, with it. Ciabatta better still. Ciabatta, and then that's, that's got the little bit of olive oil that you can dip into and maybe put those slices. Simple things can just be so profundo, eh? oh. really profound and beautiful. I, I just served an Australian guy a couple of minutes ago, and he said, Oh, those tomatoes, you made me try one two years ago. And I haven't been back to the market since, and I can still remember the flavour. That's what life's about. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we, we try to bring in the best stuff and the best flavoured stuff so it's memorable. doesn't matter what we're talking about, peas, cauliflowers, beans, broccoli, anything. You know, we've been lucky up till now. There's been an abundance of everything. Yeah. The only things that have really been affected by the weather is broccoli. It's spiked to about $7 a kilo. Bananas went up to three fifty. They're coming back down again. Um... Can I just go back, though, before we go into the prices and the economics, let's just go into the way that food can make you feel. You've given that guy a really great... Ex- that's that's amazing that someone can remember that two years later. I still remember, oh, from more years than I could care to say, when I had my first beefsteak tomato served in a place called the Bayswater Brasserie in King's Cross. That's decades ago. I still remember that, too. Of course, that's what it's all about. You know, sometimes... Um, I can be eating something and I can remember the way that my grandfather did things a little bit differently. It had just had that little bit of an extra oomph or or how, you know, mum used to do things differently uh, because we always change recipes as we get a little bit older to suit ourselves. And you know better. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. No, you're not going to say that. You're not going to admit that, but you'll think that in your head. No, no, no way. (laughs) You can't beat grandma or grandpa's cooking, mate. Trust me. Yeah. and, you know, things change, and as tastes change, we change the recipes, as I was saying. Yeah, we but evolve. Yeah. it's beautiful when you're eating something. Bless you. Thank and you. you remember, you know, I had this dish, and it was just so good. It makes you feel alive. The energy, the adrenaline just rushes, like an adrenaline and rushes through you, mm-hmm. and you feel vibrant again. And that's what good life and good food's about, you know. If not, you just sit there, and you keep rolling along same day, day in, day out. But if you've got something to give you a bit of a kickstart, how good's that? Uh, John, you, I've only been, what is it, five minutes I've been talking to John and already you're making me smile and you vindicate why we do this here on this show. This is what it's all about. But let's talk about maybe we will go into the economics quickly. Um, we were talking before, you were saying that it's sort of the end of the cherry season, but they got hit a little bit, but there's still some around. There are plenty around. You'll find that um, the Every place has got a different time zone. So I'd say at the moment, most of the cherries that you'll find around uh, from Tasmania. Oh, there may okay. still be a few Victorian ones that were refrigerated. Yes. Because I think the season's definitely over. Yeah. Um, 
Now, they know how to store them properly. They're not covered in chemicals, so it's a good thing. Um, it's worth getting out there paying $10, $15 a kilo because, again, when you eat them, they're memorable. You know, they're nothing better than a big, juicy cherry, and, and especially if it slobbers all over your face and your hands, and uh, that's, that's beautiful. Do you know what the Americans do really well? Tell me. Cherry pie. Oh. Cherry pie. Tell me about wow. it. Wow. I mean, that is just such a luxurious thing. Um, but do if you're going to try and make one yourself, get a cherry pipper because that just makes life a lot easier. Anyway, let's move on. We haven't got a lot of time. Stone fruit. This is just, it's the best time of the year for stone fruit, isn't it? Oh, yesterday, mum went for a walk up the top end there because a lot of them don't trade Sundays. They throw the fruit out dime a dozen. And uh, we try to avoid the pretty-looking fruit. We get the, um, the what they call the seconds because it looks ugly. Yeah. These have been growing, as I always say, on the outside of the tree. They've got scratches on the outside. They might be a little bit gnarly, but the flavour, you know, the nectarines were just so intense. Well, that's what she was sort of saying. It's the fact, okay, it's on the outside of the tree. It might get a little bit scarred, but it gets sunshine, which is allows those sugars to develop. Definitely. Yep. And Rose was eating a, a yellow one this morning, which is not my favourite mm. because they're a little bit higher in acid, but a lot of people like that stronger taste. Peaches are the same. We've had Golden Queen, the bright orangey yellow peach. We've had the um, the white flesh with the yellow, um, sorry, white peachy flesh. face. Um, What's peachy face? Well, it's got a, a, a red around one side, oh, and, and it's got a little light blush on the other side. So it's got the little blush. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. a nice little sort of velvety yeah. sort of feel. Bit hard to get descriptive this Sunday No, one. you're doing well, you're doing <laughs> well. Oh, oh, peachy face was good, but I just yeah. thought I'd ask, what's your, other than just eating a peach, like, you know, just the, the, one of the great singular pleasures, because they're going to be cheap and there's going to be a lot of them around, what can we do with them? I've All got right. an idea. I've got one. The, the, the you go first. bright orangey golden queens. Yeah. You slice them up, stew them up very lightly yeah. with ice cream. They're beautiful. Yep. If you buy a box full, you get your jars ready, you stew them up, put them in a jar, seal the jar properly for the next 12 months, you've got peaches in the cupboard. Come July. Come mm. July, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good. And um, sometimes you can just put them in a frying pan with a little bit of alcohol. There are many things you can use. Grand Manier, you can use Grappa, you can... You name it, you can do it. Fried a little bit hard, served on rocket with maybe some uh, goat's cheese works well. The other thing is a crumble recipe. We've all got crumble oh, recipes yeah. hanging around. We all do apple yeah. crumbles, but when peaches are around, a peach crumble. Oh, yeah. it, it's beautiful. And again, when you do it and, and, you, and you cut into it, the aroma hits you and then the sugars hit you. And, and vanilla and, works with it. Yeah, and, and you remember it later. Notes, John. Sorry, I dropped them, buddy. Oh, um, so, yeah, peach crumble is a big tick. Uh, peaches, nectarines. Oh, look, just plums. plums. What about plums? Oh, what do we do? Plums. Compost. plums. We've had what they call a summer plum. Yeah. We've had blood plums. We've had red plums that are yellow on the inside. Yeah. We had some the size of a golf, a cricket ball, sorry. Yeah. They were bright yellow. And when you ate them green, they're a little bit tangy. Yes. But when they were ripe, the skin was very hard, so we were peeling them. But it was like eating a sloppy mango, Ooh, really? you know? Sloppy yeah. mango, that's and, it. And the, the You've irid- sold me. Iridescent colour yeah. was just magnificent. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's one of the things. There's heaps of plums around. One of the ones I don't really look forward to are those autumn plums. They're a little bit crunchy for me, but that hey. Yeah, but at the time you get them, there's nothing better. That's true, that's true. Uh, berries are around. Uh, yeah, all I've, sorts of berries. I've had um, a few punnets of raspberries over the uh, over the summer. That's been a, Actually, that's been a real treat. Yeah, there have been raspberries, blueberries, blackberries. Currants. Currants, boysenberries, you name it, we had them all. Yeah, yeah, they, okay, so they're happening. Oh, actually, Ma down there, and interesting, they've done a bit of renovations down there. Yeah, they've changed it around it a little bit. That's the ones near the dairy doors. And they had bags, they've still got bags, a dollar bag of just seconds. I mean, it'd be great yeah, for jam. Stuff you've got to use today, tomorrow. Absolutely. And, and that's what you need, because if you use the premium stuff, it's a little bit greener, there's not enough sugar in them, so you need stuff to be ripe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Melons are around at the moment. Uh, one thing I think we should talk about, that we will be getting hot weather um, because the kids are going back to school. Edith is back on the air, so the thermostat shall be turned up. Uh, but watermelon, great way to cool down. Oh, definitely. And there's um, quite a few varieties around. There's some really long, stripy varieties that have got seeds. Mm. If you don't like the seeds, the smaller, round varieties. No seed in the seedless melons are beautiful. Mm. Um, all sorts of price. You can pay anything from a dollar to two dollars a kilo. Again, you buy cheaper. It's um, probably not as sweet, or might be a little bit riper. So you know, co- horses for courses. So pick out what you like and um, ha- have a look at it before you do buy it. Watermelon, mint, a little bit of red onion, gentle dressing. Ooh. Yeah, very nice and a very, very hot day. Very, Nothing very nice. more refreshing and memorable again, too. It is, yeah. A watermelon and mint just uh, works like a treat. Um, I've, I've sort of been calling the shots. Yeah. Take the ball and run with it. What, what do you want to talk about? We've got a couple of minutes. Yeah, let's talk about these black Russians and the yeah, other okay. tomatoes we've got. Yeah. You know, the, like I said, these tomatoes are ugly, but they've got a beautiful green hue near the stem. Yes. And uh, a lot of bumps and grunts. Like I was saying... Did you say bumps and grunts? Yes. Nice. <laughs> Just checking. Well, better than this one. This has got two big bumps on it, mate. This, uh, this is this is our Doncaster tomato that looks a little bit uh, weird. All right, context. Uh, John's showing me rude fruit. Actually, Actually, it looks like Rose. Rose is expecting she's six months. And... Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so, tomato, how long are these going to be around for you? Uh, the Black Russians, a couple of weeks. Very, very short. Yeah. Um, my mum's got one around variety growing near the back door. The birds have been jumping on them. So she gets out there and picks them a little bit greener. Yeah. Our Doncaster tomatoes, they'll go to July. They're a little bit harder on the skin, very high in acid, which is a lot of people want. When they're green, they're acidy. When they're red, they're sweeter. I had a Canadian yes. come up. Oh, I grow trust back home. That's all we grow there. I can't understand why people can't take to the old tomatoes. Well, that's the way their trend's gone. And I let him try a green Doncaster. He, oh, he loved it. And then I let him try a red one, and I said, are they different or the same tomato? He said, no, they're different. I said, no, they're the same tomato. Let's see, the John gotcha moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And his missus was killing herself laughing. (laughs) But they enjoyed them. They bought a kilo and and went back to their rooms and ate them for dinner. So, you know, that was good. And then we've still got the Adelaide tomatoes. This is a half black Russian cross. They're a little bit meatier, not quite as juicy as the old variety, Mm. but still very nice. And all prices, anything from 2 to $4 a kilo. Wow. We've been good. doing the deals with the um, sauce roamers. I've been selling the big boxes for $25, $26. They'll get cheaper as well. Is that time yet? It's not time yet for the sauces. Definitely time to run. I'm, oh. I'm getting a new sauce machine tomorrow. Whoa. Yeah. From so, where? Up the road here? Uh, no, I went to uh, Home Make It Up in Reservoir yeah. because um, they've split from the wine shop. 
Yeah. They're running their own bit up there. So I'm going to buy a machine that does uh, sauce and one that, and the same, I'll put an attachment on to make the sausages for later. Take a picture of it when you get it so we can see it. We oh, might yeah, even yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll post it. All right, very, very quickly, the peak of the market. Peak of the market. Oh, the beans have been really nice. They're $11 a kilo. Buy a handful, like I always say. Mm. Frank has been steaming them. Uh, actually, we went to Robbie's and little Joe fell in love with um, uh, very lightly boiled and quickly stir-fried veggies. So we've been putting beans, carrots and, and all the uh, Asian vegetables in and having those. There's an abundance of vegetables of all sorts. So Yeah, it is great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Let's um, face it, this is a, a really a great time of year. It is. A great time of year. For once, I'd say skip the collie of the broccoli. No, really? <laughs> oh, my God. Stop the presses. But the cabbages, we've got huge Savoy cabbages. I cut one into six before. That's how big it was. Yeah. We've been making coleslaw with that. Um, when we've been steaming it with a little bit of bacon and red cabbage. Yeah. What can I say? Come, have a look. Make your menus while you're walking around. Pick, Pick the, the eyes. eyes out of the market. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick well, the eyes things out of the don't change. That's no, no, the way no. it is. No, you don't. make a menu, it's boring, mate. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can actually, if I could just, just stick up for the cauliflower here, because you've abandoned it. Can I say one of the great tastes this summer for me was scallops cooked one minute on each side in a really, really hot pan and then put on top of a cauliflower puree. I'm not the first person to ever think about it. It's a classic dish. Wow, does that sink? Yeah, but it's amazing how two different flavours can marry together. Yeah. And work. Yeah. Not easy to do it, but if you do it right, like a lot of things, and when you remember later, yeah, that's the joy of life. Taste memory continues. And John, I'll thanks for you, being a part of it. Ooh. I'll tell you one more thing. What? The beauty of my job is I sell people the tomatoes. Yes. And I get the jars back. I've got a relish here. They know that I like to eat my relish after six to 12 months. It's as dark as, but this <coughs> is, is going to go on some roast pork on Monday night. Oh, really? Yeah, mate. Make la porqueta. It's almost actually, it's in a Nescafe gold dark roast, and in some strange way, this suggestion of coffee with that makes it look even better, doesn't it? Yeah, some, it does. For some does. weird reason. John, as always, it's great to see you. Thank you for starting the year off with us. It's a pleasure. Uh, look forward usual. to speaking with you during the year. Um, I better race to the studio because I got the first show to get on with. Yeah, get motivated. Oh, I am. I am. Can't you tell? Anyway, great to see you. I'm going to get out of here and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Hey, look up my glass over there. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Let's drink. Ah, yes, as we were saying before, summertime and sometimes the wine growing is easy. <laughs> and sometimes it ain't. Isn't that right, Duncan? That is fairly right there, Cam Smith. How are you, Anton? Ah, better for hearing your voice. I love um, it. Even though gets even, me every time. I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, we're hearing about the um, you know some of the uh, the things that only mere mortals like uh, Matt and I can dream to be included <laughs> on. One of those is to be able to attend the Pinot Noir conference. Oh, look, Jeez. There, it's a trial, <laughs> but we do get through there, young man. It is a um, 
What do you actually do? Yeah, um, hey, this one's good. Yeah, I like this. Pretty much. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there'll be themed brackets, okay? So you sit down, you see prizes in front of you, and you just you have a look at them, and you discuss them as a table, and yeah. you discuss them as a room, and, you know, pat ourselves on the back because we're all so bloody clever. And let's go and have some more duck. Well, I did have the the the, uh, the finishing banquet was um, last night at Port Phillip Estate. My entree was duck bacon with figs. Oh, okay. All right. Now, you're, okay, all right. You've started off. You've you've uh, you've made us rise to. Uh, there's jealousy in the room. Cut Sorry it like that. a knife. No, but okay. So let's let's talk about um, vintage quite seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, if definitely. we if we look around the uh, the state, from what I'm seeing, is uh, Western Australia. If the whole place doesn't go up on fire, um, we should be able to get some some good grapes in. It's been yeah. quite hot and good. Uh, yeah, South, Aus- South Australia has been talking about uh, one of the earliest vintages ever. Yeah, and there's, and there's reasons for that, Cam. I don't know if you remember, but earlier in the season, uh, some of, I think it was some of the northern Barossa was frosted. Yes. So that can, that can have the uh, that can have the effect of reducing the amount of crop that's on your vine. And as we both know, Cam, if you've got less fruit on the vine, it will ripen quicker. Therefore, you will pick it a bit early, a bit early. So oh, okay, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, and the other thing I've, I've um uh, been made aware of is that the the Adelaide Hills, like, and you've got some serious elevation. That will, in some spots, you've got some serious elevation. Which you know, as you go up the hill, things ripen slower because it's cooler. But they'll be picking um, for they'll be picking sh- um, Chardonnay very, very soon. So it is. Look, crops are down, but um, we've had there's been moderate rain around the place, and uh, and canopies are healthy, so things are ripening up fairly quickly. And yeah, in some places, it's they're they're, they're quietly optimistic. So I should have changed the song to "And the canopies are healthy," uh, which is <laughs> good, but. Um, I don't know that song. No, neither do I. Uh, but if we um, if we're looking at it, uh, the uh, prospected tonnage is around one point oh seven million mega, whatever it is. It's about. It's on average, though, isn't it? it? Is what we're actually looking for. I think so. I haven't heard any. Uh, the only place I've heard of where things were disastrously, well, some in some spots that are disastrously low. Yes. Um, I've, as you know, I've been growing some grapes uh, out at Halls Gap at Halls Gap Estate. Now, we, we made some decisions early on in the year around pruning that have uh, put us in good stead and we've got a fairly healthy crop. But I know there's some places up around there that have suffered because we had some um, poor sunlight the previous spring, which helps to determine how much fruit you've got in the following growing season. And um, and the, the the pruning regimes that they, they undertook, didn't, it didn't really pump up the, the crops as much as they hoped that it would. Yep. But um, we will be picking Riesling out in Halls Gap, I reckon, this Friday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited, mate. I've never, I've never made a Riesling in my life, and all of a sudden these people around the place go, "Can you make Riesling?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. As, I, as, as I reach for the big, bo- as, I, as I reach for the big book of Riesling, mate. Can't be that hard. Well, how can? Yeah, what? Why would that be hard? But, but this is an interesting thing: is that. Um, uh, that's one of the great things about winemakers is that you are wandering around in the elements and aware of the elements and the effect of the elements and yep. you're aware of the area that you're in and the interesting thing is that you've left the uh, the confines, the uh, the home, the uh, should we call it the bat cave of Duncan uh, down the coast <laughs> and, you've, and you've been travelling between different areas yeah, and, and, and you've been seeing quite big differences. 
Yeah, and it's been amazing. It's been so much fun. The um, like we took over this vineyard midway through last year, and I sort of drove out to uh, out to the Grampians, going right. I don't know a single person, and uh, yeah. they just got on the blower. And uh, you just start ringing people. Hey, mate, I'm new to the region. Uh, what do I do about this? And the the generosity and the openness that people have with their knowledge, their equipment. Like you know, I, I borrowed someone's front end loader to spread a bit of gypsum for two days. A hundred thousand dollar machine, and it, I had it for two days. Why do you do like, your gypsum? Is that for drainage? Uh, helps with acidity in soil. So the um, for what acidity? Sodicity, too much, too much sodium. Sodicity. There's yeah, the word sodicity. of the day. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Sounds too like much sodium. Too. So the the gypsum sort of. Um... But it helps to displace what's going on. It helps. To gotcha. So yeah, so how is this area different to the coast? Obviously, the uh, it hasn't got the maritime climate, so that it hasn't got the amelioration or the the you know the less extremes, I suppose. Is that, is that the main thing? It has, it has, you're exactly right. It's got a much more of a, what they call a continental climate because we're, we're miles from the sea. Yeah. And it's, and it's dry as a chip. So the, the diurnal um, temperature range is, uh, is quite high. So you have very low lows and very high highs during, you can have much higher highs during the day. And that's re- and the, the good thing about growing Riesling when you're out there is, um, the, it retains acid beautifully because the, uh, the, the vines will shut down, so to speak, overnight. They don't metabolize those acids. They, they don't metabolize acids. Because as your sugars increase, your acids decrease and you want to retain that acid, especially for Riesling. So yeah. that's what makes it such a good Riesling area. Well, that's what it said on page 42 of the Riesling book. <laughs> Exactly. Didn't Thank God I made it. I'm up to page. Eight, <laughs> yes. page I'm up to page 43 because I wouldn't have known that yesterday. I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you how it ends up because that would be. Uh, yes, that would be uh, be terribly unfair. But but if we look at the um, the Victorian climate and probably uh, down on the coast is that um, it's been hard to get grapes to ripen. Would that be a correct assumption with this summer that we've um. had? No, it's not so much. I mean, you, we're starting to ripen now. Things have raised, and the well, when I say they've raised, that means they're starting to change colour, and berries are starting to soften. That's raison, the period, is it? The raison. It probably means something in French to do with uh, colour change. I, I wouldn't know. You'd have to ask. A well, there, there, there's raison d'être, which is the reason for living. Oh, there you go. But that's completely different. Anyway, stop it. Okay, yes. Have, have a go at you, Frenchie. Yeah, but, um, I know. It's just, just pulling out stuff randomly, really, <laughs> rather than anything coherent. Yes, go on. But um, uh, in the period probably from early December through till now, it's a really crucial period for a, uh, a disease called powdery mildew, which is awful. Most mildews, moulds and mildews that you get will require some level of moisture in order to, um, to you know, survive and reproduce and, you know, ruin your crop, basically. Yeah, to get the fungus on. Correct. Get but your fungi on. <laughs> and believe me, he's not a fungi. You're no fungi. The, um, <laughs> The um, uh, powdery mildew just needs cloudy weather yeah. of about 20 to 25 degrees. What have we had since Christmas? That. Cloudy weather. So there's been, I know there's been a lot of people feeling a lot of pressure, and myself included. We had one vineyard that was really on a knife edge, but you just, you really had to step up to the plate and, um, yeah, make sure your canopy management was tip top, and uh, your you know your spraying regime was not overdone. But don't, well, 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 you, can, that's that's sort of jargony. Can you just explain that when you say the canopy management? What, what just can you just take a, a couple of seconds just to explain that a bit more fully? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, as we as we're saying, most molds and mildews will require some level of um, moisture. So yep. how do you and uh, humidity? So if you if you have fairly what I would call bony canopy, so that so you don't have dense leaf layers of leaf and if you can see through it, through the canopy from one row to the next, a guy that I work oh, for in yeah. Canada, a guy that I work for in Canada, used to say you should be able to identify the, the sex of the streaker in the next row, and then that's a good canopy. <laughs> he he was an intellectual. 
<laughs> the words bit is I can tell. Well, yeah, sort of canopies are sort of like it's the solar cells, the, the solar panels on top of uh, the roof that uh, make the fruit happen. That's exactly right. And you've got to keep them in good shape. So, And the other thing is with, um, with, <laughs> with some of the moulds and mildews that don't require so much um, moisture, mm. they'll, they'll be And powdery mildew being the one, the case in point, that really hates direct sunlight. So if you can open up your canopies and get some sunlight onto your fruit and just don't have too many, you know, too many competing layers of leaves, oh, yeah. because yep. those, la- those leaves that are on the, closer to the centre of your canopy, they will become weaker because they're not getting so much sun and you've also got powdery mildew in there trying to knock it about. So they, they, they're, just, they're right for the picking. So, oh, yeah, we try to... We, yeah, we always try to keep our canopies very open, a lot of airflow and a lot of sunlight into them. And um, then we get to about this stage of the year and we throw nets over the whole lot and sit around with our fingers crossed and just hope that nothing goes wrong over the next six weeks. Oh, is this when you start whittling? Yep, oh, God dang, dang, grapes are going well. Yeah, and, and you do that sort of stuff. Well, but yeah, I mean, you kind of do. You need to get around and, you know, prepare for the harvest and all that sort of stuff. But it is that I've, find, I've been doing this for you know, decades, and I just find that this time of year is always so strange because you've done all this work since, you know. And then you just wait. And dare I say, just to, uh, I've been a little bit flippant, as I always am, but d- to, to give a bit of backbone. So what, what Duncan will be doing now is he'll be wandering around with a thing called a spectrometer, and he'll be... Um, searching for the uh, what's known as the BOMA, is that right? Correct. Yeah, yeah I, and, and that's the thing you're going to be looking at, which is the amount of sugar that's in the grape, which tells you when you pick it. Exactly, and that's. I mean, increasingly, um, we don't just rely on how much sugar is in the grapes anymore. Whether you look at the, I mean, especially again for Riesling, Riesling you look at page, how page sixty-seven. Because <laughs> I've been flicking through as we chat. Yes. But, um, we, um, uh, oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now I can spell reason. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, you, you, you're increasingly looking at acid. And you want acid. Fl- yeah. and, and you want your flavours. I mean, it's, it's a fairly simplistic thing. The, the flavours that you see in, you, in your grapes when you pick them, they will show up in some way, shape or form in the, in the resulting wine. So, you know, you, you look at your, and you look, you just look at all those parameters. You've got your sugar, you've got your acid, and you've got your overall flavour, and, and then you assess the canopy itself and go, right, should I leave this go for another week? Should I get it off right now? Can it go longer than that? It's just, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of... Um, it's, an equation. Of it's an equation. It's an equation. It's like algebra. And With algebra all these unknowns. Like, yeah, yeah, that, you, that you're dialing in, isn't it? Algebra and and gut feel and, and gut feel yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, and knowledge plus experience equals wisdom I suppose and that thing. Um, getting back to I was sort of just throughout this really just vague random figure. Uh, the eight year average for Australian wine production is about one point one six million liters. I'll and take that on board. I'm not up to that part in the Riesling book, but it sounds right. Yeah, no, that's what's going to happen. We're looking at an average year. It looks like we're, we're going to be about that. Question without notice, Duncan? Oh, no. Yeah, yes. okay. You're allowed to uh, real world buy a box of wine. Dozen bottles. If I was going to do a dozen bottles? Yeah, what would you, what would you get if you were just like to say, I want to get 12 bottles of wine. Is there anything that you'd just say, I'm going to race out and get that? Go and get a dozen of these. If you had the money, you would you would have grabbed a dozen. Real world, of real world, real, uh, real world. Okay. Yeah, not 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 a, not a dozen Petrus. Okay, I can hear the theme music in the background. So my time's short. Go and no, get no, a good independent, mi- good independent retailer, and say I need a mixed dozen along this line, and and make friends with that retailer. Yeah, or you can sort of get you know you'll learn a bit more as you go along. Nice. Hey, right. Did That's, that work? I love it. I love it. <coughs> Duncan, um, an absolute delight to speak to you. 
always a pleasure. Never a chore. You know Look, looking forward to um, to hearing about um, how the Riesling goes. Yeah, um, why don't we touch base in a month or two and just we can talk about vintage. Yeah, you bet. And uh, you never know, Matt, I might even have a theme for you by that stage. I heard the I heard the uh, on hold music um, uh, when I was on hold. You guys chatting. I'm like, geez, I wish this was going to air. It's hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. Could you hear us? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good thing it wasn't. Uh, yeah, Duncan, uh, we'll let you get back out to uh, the Starling Nets. No, I'm having a barbecue, but that seems like just as much fun. Thanks very much, guys. I'll chat to you again very soon. Yeah, beautiful, Duncan. Thanks for yeah, thanks for talking to us. Duncan Buchanan, um, he makes champagne, he makes uh, beautiful Pinot, and now he's going to make Riesling, which is great, and he's been a big part of this show and 3 triple over the years, and it's an absolute delight to have him back. Yes. Uh, we're coming to the end of the show. We look next week, uh, Guy Grossi is on the show because there's going to be a great big tomato festival, which I'm very, very happy to be a part of. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Yes, indeed. And uh, out in Gippsland, South Morang, I think. No, not Gippsland, South Morang. Mm. Anyway, more. Stay tuned. Uh, what other sort of things? We've got some housekeeping to get rid of? No, I don't the... think we do. I think we're done. But we have to say that coming up... Yes. Zoran, Master of Reception, is on. <laughs> yes. And uh, we look forward to hearing him. Spinning some tunes and then uh, JVG, of course, on a two, Strange Holiday at four. It's all kind of back to normal. Yeah, graphic nature, of course, yes. uh, Zoran's doing. And, um, yeah, God, it's good to be back on here. We're over time. <laughs> so we're back to normal. We're over hey, time. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Good to see you. Maddie. great to see you. See you next week. All right. It's a deal. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.